Um, I'm going to read a story in the book of Acts, but before I read uh, this, this story, I want to bring some context to what we're about to jump into. Uh, there's a man in the Bible, a couple guys we're going to talk about today, uh, by the name of Peter and John. Say Peter and John. Peter, Peter and John are followers of Jesus. At, at this time in their life, Jesus has already died on the cross, rose again, went to heaven. Peter and John are preaching the gospel everywhere that they go, and Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 are heading to the temple to pray. As they're going to pray, they come across someone that's asking for money. The man that was asking for money also had a different problem. He didn't just, he wasn't just poor. The guy couldn't walk. Peter looked at the man and said, silver and gold I do not have, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. This man jumps on his feet and starts to walk. He's jumping, he's leaping, and everybody is going crazy. Uh, and the religious police in this day are scratching their heads thinking, I thought we killed Jesus. They were upset. They were mad. So they grabbed Peter and John. They put him in chains and they threw them in jail. How many of y'all have been in jail before? Just kidding. You don't have to raise your hand. It's about 70% of our church. <laughs> and uh, just kidding. So Peter and John, they're in jail. It's, it's, it's getting late when they're, when they're booked. Uh, so they're going to have to stay there overnight. And so in Acts chapter 4, verse 5, this is where we pick up the story. It says this, and it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, Peter and John, they're putting them in the middle of, of all of them. And they said this, by what power or by what name have you done this? So Peter and John are, they're, they're, it's like a courtroom. And they're standing in the midst of their accusers. And their accusers are trying to figure out how in the world did this man who could not walk start to walk. It says this, and Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the power, by the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, uh, uh, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter and John start preaching back to these people. They're making it really, really clear. Hey guys, I'm gonna give you the answer. The guy that you guys killed, but God raised back to life again, it was that man that raised this guy back to his feet. So now going back to the, 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 the religious police, it says this, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. 
But when they had commanded them to go aside outside of the castle, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. So, But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. What a crazy, crazy story. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, I was a very fearful kid. I was afraid of everything, primarily sleeping in my room by myself. I would panic. At 4 p.m., I would panic because I knew dark was coming. I couldn't enjoy my life. It was horrendous. I was just, I, I, I was panicking constantly. Such a fearful, fearful kid. I never really understood why until one day I was telling my wife just some childhood stories. We were just talking about how we grew up and and I shared something that I thought was funny, and my wife said, no, that's why you were such a scared little kid. That's why you were afraid to sleep in your room. Um, you know what I've learned as parents? We all have different ways of teaching our kids a lesson, specifically in the arena of discipline. You know, for you, if you want your kid to listen, you know, maybe you'll, you'll take the iPad away. Some of y'all don't have the courage to do that because the iPad is your babysitter. For others, you might say, hey, if you don't listen, I'm going to put you in timeout. Or maybe I'm going to spank you if you don't listen. For my mama, she used fear tactics. She would tell me scary stories. I'm five. As a five-year-old, I, I, I was strong-willed. So she pulled out her best. At five, she told me about this ghost lady. This ghost lady that, that threw her kids off a bridge. Some of y'all know who I'm talking about. And she roams the streets crying for her kids. La Llorona, that is her name. And, and my, my mom would look at me and say, if you don't listen, she will come and get you. And she killed her kids, so she won't have a problem killing you. I mean, this is, this is, this is what I grew up with. One time I was going, going swimming, and, you know, you've heard the thing, after you eat food, don't go swim, you know? And I, I, I can appreciate someone, you know, you might get a cramp. My mom told me that my body would start to twist in a way where I would par be paralyzed and I would drown. I mean, this was just fear tactics. And, and I know it's just like fun and games, and it's, it's funny, but the enemy today will still try to use fear to influence your life. He's going to still try to use fear to stop you. It's still a tactic that he uses. Fear. What is fear? The Bible makes it very clear in, 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 in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Can I tell you that fear is more than just a feeling? It's a spirit. It's not a feeling. It is a spirit. And the enemy will use this spirit to control your life, to paralyze you in your tracks. He will use this spirit to get you to say yes to things you should be saying no to, and he'll get you to say no to things that you should be saying yes to. It's a spirit. 
And, and I think sometimes we, we play into this spirit because we think it's a feeling. Anxiety, as much as it's well accepted in our culture today, is influenced by a spirit. Well, I'm just a little worrier. It's a spirit. Um, and if you're going to win in life, you have to understand you're not dealing with a feeling. You're dealing with a spirit. And just because we're good at distracting ourselves from feeling afraid doesn't mean that the spirit has left. In my house, my wife hates spiders. She's petrified of spiders. We're working this fear thing out with spiders for her. I mean, one time I was miles away. Called me after I just left and said, I'm not getting off the counter until you come back and kill this spider. I mean, I, I said, hey, I'm, too, I'm not coming back. So what did she do? She made my four-year-old go and kill the spider. Put my four-year-old in harm's way. Petrified of spiders. And, uh, and, 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 and again, it, we all have our own issues, but <clears throat> never would it be permitted for my wife to find a spider and me go and just throw a blanket over the spider and us go about our day. No, 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 no. Never would it be permitted for me to just shh, the spider away and me and her go back about our day. She's not moving forward or taking another step until that spider is destroyed, annihilated, no longer present. And if we're going to be a success in life, if we're going to hit our mark in life, we're going to have to treat the spirit of fear the same way she treats a spider. In other words, I, I'm not going to get a little blanket and, 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 and throw, throw it on top of the, 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 the spirit of fear and just go about my day because it's still there. And, and I think a lot of us have these security blankets. Now, I just like sleeping with the light on before, but it makes me feel, no, it's a spirit of fear. Now, I just like to just check the doors a million times before bed. No, it's the spirit of fear. And you got to pay attention to that. There's a big difference between fear and wisdom. When you're operating in wisdom, there is a peace and conviction to it. If you are influenced by, by fear, there is torment with it. Torment. And when you respond to it, you let it live. It's fear. It's a tactic the enemy has been using. Peter and John are preaching to everybody, and the council gets together and, lets, and, and says, I, I got an idea on how we can stop them. Let's just try to scare them. Let's try to scare them. Let's see if we can make them afraid. Kind of back to the story here. I think it's, it's, it's interesting because this tactic doesn't really work on Peter and John. It doesn't work on Peter and John, and, and if, 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 if fear was acceptable and could have worked on anybody, it should have worked on Peter and John in this moment. You know, what's interesting about this passage in, in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 5 drops some names. Annas and Caiaphas. Annas and Caiaphas, they're, they're related. It, it named, names drops. It drops some names. You, you notice that. It makes reference of John. Make, makes reference of Alexander. It, it says amongst those religious police, there were some people that were a part of that, and it drops these names. Peter and John knew who these guys were. Peter and John 
had encountered these guys just a few months earlier. But not because they were coming after Peter and John. Those men were coming after Jesus. It says this in John 18, verse 12. So the soldiers, this is not this story. This is the encounter Peter and John were a part of just a few months earlier. So the soldiers, uh, their commanding officers and the temple guards arrested Jesus, tied him up. First, they took him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of, of Caiaphas, the high priest at the time. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, it's better that one man should die for, for the people. Peter and John now find themselves in front of the same people that Jesus found, them, found himself in front of. Peter and John find themselves in the same chains that their master had been in. Now, I know you don't think that you would panic. I know you think you'd be just dancing with your chains on. But some of us panic when we have the symptoms of someone else that passed away from something. Some of us panic when our life starts to look like someone else that didn't make it. I'm telling you, if you had those chains on, you might be thinking, oh my gosh, the last guy that had these chains on didn't make it. If anyone had a reason to be a little bit afraid, it was Peter and John who were in the same chains that their master had been in just a few months ago. But they were not afraid. And I'm scratching my head thinking, these guys were really in a pickle. Is anybody in a pickle today? Maybe you find yourself up against something that you don't have the ability to control. Maybe you've lost your security blanket, now you're feeling all the fear and hecticness from everywhere. Maybe you feel like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. That is where Peter and John are at, but they did not fear. And I'm asking myself, what in the world did they know that I don't know? In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, I want to take the statement from their haters. This is what their haters said about Peter and John. It says the Jewish leaders understood that Peter and John had no special training or education, but they, but, but they also saw that they were not afraid to speak. So this is where it's at. So they were all amazed. They also realized this. This is, this is the answer, that Peter and John had been with Jesus. The reason why they were not afraid is because these men had been with Jesus. My question for us today is how close are you to Jesus today? What is your relationship? Not with church, not with Bible memorization, how is your relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Like, how is your relationship with God doing? Like, when was the last time you went to go pray with zero agenda other than to get to know him better? Apparently, these people were able to walk in great boldness because they knew Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, Andrew, if you really knew God the way you should know God, Maybe you would walk around with a different pep in your step. Maybe when threats were, were made, you wouldn't be as concerned. M maybe when things start falling apart, you wouldn't fall apart with it because you know who your God is and you are fully convinced that God is with me. <clears throat> I believe if we could be awakened to this, that God is with me you. If you could ever believe that, your life would look different. If you, if you could ever believe that, you wouldn't be so timid. If you could ever believe that, it would change the trajectory of your life. 
Is it really that simple? They looked at them and said, what is it about them other than they've been with Jesus? That is our answer today. If you're going to conquer fear, you're going to have to know who God is. And you're going to have to believe, not in your head, but in your heart, that he is with you. That when you step onto that campus, he is with you. That when you go back to that doctor's appointment, you're not going by yourself. He is with you. That when you go back into your house, as dysfunctional as it may feel, you're not going alone. God is with you. Can it be enough that God is with you? I don't know. Let, let's, let's ask God himself. Let, let's see what God thinks. In Isaiah chapter 41, and Tom, you can come help me. It says this in Isaiah 41. It says this, fear not. Don't be afraid. Why? I am with you. Fear not. Whoa, why, God? I am with you. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Why, God? Why not be frightened? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 31.8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. With you. Joshua 1.5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Apparently... Apparently, when God would give instructions to people, and they're like, God, I'm scared. He's like, don't be scared. I'm with you. Go after it. Why, God? I'm with you. I'm with you. Psalms 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. The problem is in your circumstance. The problem is that hasn't been, that has that is not alive on the inside of us. We don't actually believe that God is with us. This is not something that you can go purchase. You have to cultivate a relationship with your creator. You, you got to find times within your day when you go after God with everything inside of you, not because you're trying to get him to do something. You just want to get to know him better. And as you get to know him better, you'll start to walk with the courage I think, I, I think about our, all these Bible heroes that we talk about. David. David, just a little dude. Not very big. He's fighting a giant. I mean, it's a story for us, and we just think it's just so normal that we would have been the first ones out there. I'm, I'm David. I don't know that we would be David. The way some of us act over, like, an ingrown toenail, I don't know that we would be David. I just got this little freckle here. I think I'm going to die. I don't know that we would have been David. Why am I feeling this today? I must be dying. I, I don't know that we would be David. What possessed David to go after a giant? Other than the fact when he stood in front of that giant, he made it very clear. The God that was with me back there is the God that is with me right here. I love it. They had a revelation and an understanding that as long as they were close to God, that fear just didn't have as loud of a voice in their life. I think about Daniel. Daniel, he, he prayed three times a day. I'm not on that level yet. Maybe two on a good day. Some of y'all don't judge me. Yours is like two every two months. <laughs> Daniel, he's praying three times a day, and Daniel has a group of guys that don't like him. 
They're jealous of Daniel. So they get a little plan together. And they go to the king and say, hey, king, how about we make this new rule that if anybody prays to anybody other than you, we throw them in the lion's den. The king's like, awesome, great idea, let's do it. Daniel gets word of this memo. You see, Daniel would pray three times a day. He would go in his room and he would open up the windows in a specific direction every single time he, he would pray. His windows were open. Daniel gets this memo that you pray, you die. You know what Daniel does? He marches back into his room. Now, if I'm Daniel, I'm like, hey, God, this time, I'm just going to keep the windows closed. I mean, do I really need God? It's, it's too cold. Let me leave. Daniel walks in, pops those windows open. He starts to pray. He was fearless. He was fearless. He wasn't afraid. When he was standing at the den of the lions, he wasn't afraid. Because when you're praying three times a day, you have a revelation that you are not alone. You've got a revelation that when I'm standing at that lion's den, I'm not afraid. But if I'm honest, you know when I start to pray? When I get to the lion's den, and that is our problem. We don't go after God until, until, until stuff's coming at us. I'm not going after God until I'm up against it. I'm not going after God until I got the negative report. If we had been praying, you would have responded differently. But there's good news because one moment in the presence of God can change things for you. These men had the revelation that God was with them. And my prayer is that every person in this room would cultivate their relationship with God that when you leave your house every single day, you are fully persuaded that you are not in that car by yourself, that you are not on that job site alone, that you are not at home alone, that God is with you. And it's important because fear thrives when there is significant proximity between you and God. When, when you haven't been going Godward, and there's distance between you and your creator. Now, God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always there. But how many of you know, sometimes we get a little busy and we're like, God, we'll be right back. And, and now there's proximity. And, and now it's turned from one day to one week to one month to one year. And I have not been in the presence of God. When there is separation, fear thrives. You are susceptible. And I want to give just two examples because I think it's huge for you to know. I hope this encourages you today to no longer distance yourself from those times you're meeting with God. You need to be in his presence every single day. If you didn't have an encounter with God today, you may not make it tomorrow because tomorrow I have to have another encounter to make sure I am ready to take on whatever life wants to throw at me. The very first time we ever see fear in scripture it's three chapters in the book of Genesis. It says this, And they heard the sound of the Lord. This is Adam and Eve. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So the man and his wife hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord. What's going on here? Adam and Eve are feeling shame. So what are they doing? Let's just... Let's, let's, let's create some distance between us and God. What happens when there's distance between you and God? 
Verse 9, but the Lord God called to Adam, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid. As long as there's distance between you and God, fear will always have a foothold. Fear showed up not when they were walking with God. Fear showed up when they separated from God. I think about Peter. Now, this is a, in Acts 4, this is like bold Peter. But do you know just a few months earlier, Peter wasn't this bold. The first time Peter encountered these groups of guys, Peter was a coward. Peter was afraid. We know the story. He denies Jesus. In Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 7, uh, 74 through 75 says this, Then he began, who? Peter. He began to curse and swear by saying, I don't know the man. When they had Jesus in chains, people went up and said, hey, you guys are missing someone. That guy's with him. Peter said, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. I've never met the man. Peter's afraid. He is scared. Verse 75, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went away and wept bitterly. Why was Peter afraid? What happened just a few verses earlier? says this, then the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the religious law and the elders had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a, at a distance. He was distant from Jesus, and when there's distance, you are susceptible to fear. This is why I got to really know who he is, because in love, there is no fear. I told you I was a terrified kid. Yes, I was. And I'll never forget every night, probably around midnight, after I knew my mom was like knocked out, asleep, I'd grab my blanket, terrified Andrew. I'm so scared, terrified. And I would start to crawl to her room. As I would crawl to her room, I would lay next to her bed. The moment I would lay next to her bed, all of that fear that I was feeling would leave instantly. There was no trace of fear. I was in the same house. I was just 15 feet away, but there was no trace of fear because in love, there is no fear. In 1 John chapter 418, and Tav, you can come help me. It says this, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. It is impossible to be in the presence of God and remain afraid. And, and please understand, because you might be thinking, man, how do you go through life just not scared? There's a big difference between feeling fear and yielding to fear. There, there's a big difference to fear knocking at your door. Man, I'm nervous. Man, I'm feeling it. Man, I don't know what's going to happen. And there's a big difference between that and you actually opening up the door to fear. 
in life, you're going to feel afraid. There's going to be moments that you feel a little bit nervous. But just because you feel nervous doesn't mean you have to respond to the nervousness. I think it's funny in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, a verse we could all quote. God says, I know the plans I have for you. He says they're good plans. But then he says this, and they're also not plans to harm you. Why would God have to tell me that the plans he has for me are good and they're not intended to harm me? You know, the only times I warn my kids about something is if I know they're going to be a little bit nervous. God's plans can make you a little bit nervous. Why? Because they're bigger than you. They're bigger than what you can do in your own capability. God will ask you to go after a mountain that you're no match for. But with him, all things are possible. You might feel afraid. That's okay. Just don't yield to it. Don't give the enemy power to it. And if you feel like you're getting your teeth kicked in, get in the presence of God. And you will walk out of that room with boldness like you have never had. And please, please don't believe the lie that when your circumstance changes, that you will be bold then. Because your issue is not your circumstance. Your issue is a spirit. I remember dealing with fear when my kid was in the hospital. We had to get a hold of that stupid spirit, and we did, thank God. But do you know that I struggled more with fear when she was at home safe in her own bed? Because I wasn't dealing with the issue, I was dealing with a spirit. Don't believe the lie that you can just go distract yourself from this feeling. No, you got to deal with it, man. And if you're a mom and a dad, please understand that Jesus is no respecter of persons and neither is that spirit of fear. If you don't deal with that spirit of fear, it's not going to just harass you. It will mess with your kids. I remember even with my wife dealing with fear in a specific area. I didn't talk to my kids about it with my wife. And I knew I was yielding to fear. A couple days later, my, my oldest kid comes out and starts saying, Mom, what is this? Mom, 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 what is this? I'm thinking, she sounds just like me, but she wasn't even in the same conversation. It's a spirit. And if you don't deal with this spirit, you will carry it all through your life. But I'm here to tell, tell somebody, the buck can end with you. Don't yield to it. Don't respond to it. Don't make decisions out of fear. God is with you, and that is enough. Let's stand to our feet. Right where we're at. I'm telling you, God has big plans for you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He is with you. I know what you're facing is, is difficult. I, I know it may seem hard. I know it may seem impossible, but God is with you. And you may not believe me in this moment, but I'm telling you, get in the presence of God, and I promise you, you'll almost forget about what you were afraid of. You forget about it. You start thinking, scratching your head, what in the world was I concerned about? Nothing has changed yet. Yes, your perspective of God has changed, and that's all that you need. God is not going to fail you. God is not going to let you down. God didn't get this process going to cut it short now. Don't make decisions out of fear. Pay attention to what is leading you. We're bold people. We're strong people. We're anointed people. We're called people. We are more than conquerors. We are well able. Why, Andrew? Because God is with you. I'm going to pray. God, I just thank you for every person in this room today. 
I thank you for every person that is in this room today. And God, I pray for those that have been battling with fear on another level. That, 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 that have given that foothold to the enemy. Today, we take it back in Jesus' name. We are not afraid. Satan, I command you in the name of Jesus to get your hands off the people of God. We are bold. We are courageous. We are not afraid. We are bold. We are courageous. We are not afraid. We will not be timid. We will not, you, we will not let you have the upper hand in our life. No more fear. Fear, you are done. Fear, you are under our feet. Fear, you will not win. You will not win. You will not win. Fear, you will not win. As a believer, I'm an overcomer. I will succeed. I will succeed. God will not fail me. He will not fail me. God, you are good. And God, today we just repent for not trusting in you in the way, the way that we should. God, you are good. God, you are faithful. God, you will never fail us. You will never forsake us, God. We're done with this stupid spirit. We're done tolerating this stupid spirit. It has made you look like a fool and you should be upset. In scripture, it says that fear is rooted in death. When you can get over the fear of death, you will turn into a different person. Can I remind someone in this place? When we die, we don't cease to exist. We just change addresses. You know, the apostles were not afraid to die. And that's what made them so bold. Some of us are so married to this life. Even if you live a hundred years, the Bible says it's nothing but a poof, a breath of smoke. What would we look like if we weren't afraid of death? What would we look like if we were not afraid of that? What in the world would the enemy have to use against you? I'm not saying God's not going to get you through it. He will. He promised you with long life, he'll satisfy you. Yes, you'll, there you go. Thank God for that. But what if you just walk differently? Like, I'm not afraid of you. Back in my crazy days when I would fight people, get into fights, I was always afraid of people that were not afraid to die. I was afraid of people that knew when they, they're just not afraid. I remember one guy, he started punching himself before he fought me. I'm thinking, how am I even any match for a person like that? We got to walk around with the pep in our step. And it's not going to be from willpower. It's going to be from his presence. Don't try to manufacture courage. Find it in your God. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 